Hello to everybody who is listening and thanks for joining another episode of The Plumped Serpent with me, Isabel Bloom, and my guest today, Rachel Woods. Welcome, Rachel, and thanks for joining me on the podcast and thanks for your time. Thank you. It's lovely, lovely to be here. Um, I was listening to your, um, your last podcast about harmony with nature um, <laughs> this morning, actually, thought I'll get myself in the mood and also get a flavor for how how your podcast is and how it comes across and I thought I mean that's very relaxing actually it's very soothing um, as well as having some really impactful messages um, and I suddenly thought I wonder if I might be um, a bit grating <laughs> because my energy and my voice is very very different to your very soft tones which is quite an interesting thing to think about this morning. <laughs> Yeah, I need to speak slowly because English is not my native language. So <laughs> that's you probably, speak it very well. That's probably the cause. Well. <laughs> so Rachel, um, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Rachel? What, what is Rachel doing? Okay, well, what am I doing? Um, I sometimes wonder that. Well, I know I often wonder what I'm doing. <laughs> but uh, who I am is quite straightforward. I can answer that one. So I am, I'm now a coach that works in natural environments in sometimes with some clients, so it doesn't work for everybody. Um, I like to use the dynamics of nature with my clients, the metaphors, the narratives that our brains are wired to understand. We have a, a system that has been created of and in nature, and therefore it's not, it doesn't feel alien to be doing our best thinking when we're outside. A um, little bit on my background, I worked for a long time in HR, um, in the corporate space, um, and drifted away from my kind of outdoor loves, although I have dogs, so I'm always forced outdoors anyway. Um, but I had this thread of purpose, I think, that kept tugging at me a little bit. Um, so as a child, I was mud pies and climbing trees and a little bit, little bit tomboyish, a little bit feral. Um, I rode ponies. We couldn't afford a pony for me, which I was very disappointed at. So I worked for rides at the local riding stables. And my teenage years were, yeah, spent there, I think, much to my parents' delight because I wasn't running around town with boys. <laughs> so they were very, very happy that I was at the stables, not getting up to no good. Um, and I drifted away from that a little, I think, because the pursuit of you know, proper jobs, if you like, and being perceived to have to have a career in a, in a corporate space. Um, and it was only when I'd finished my MSc um, and done my dissertation, actually, on the impact of biophilia and, um, and coaching. So coaching, you know, in, in natural spaces, what, what that did for our brains, what that did for our thinking and our cognition. And then went straight back to my day job and was very frustrated at that point because this tug, niggle of purpose that had been pulling at me for some time became a serious itch that I absolutely had to scratch and I had the opportunity to to leave through redundancies it wasn't you know a, a, for most people that doesn't seem like a good news story but for me it was excellent news because it meant I was sort of free to go and set up my business um, so coaching nature was seeded and um, nurtured and potted and released to the world uh, in March April 2020 and then we know what happened <laughs> um, so it was an interesting time to launch a business but it did give me a lot of reflection time and a lot of opportunity to get outside because it was the one safe space we could be the one place we were allowed to go um, whether we were together or alone so so yeah in a nutshell 
it's a very potted history of my life so far. <laughs> so now I'm, yeah, I work with professionals mostly who need to reconnect with nature in terms of mother nature, but also their own nature and their own purpose and their own, you know, reason for, for, for being and reason for choosing and doing the things they do so they can feel wholly aligned, wholly aligned, because most of us feel a little bit uncomfortable, I think, a little bit uh, uh, incongruent maybe with who we are versus what we're doing to earn a living and when you can get those two things right it's it's quite magical I think nature has the secret weapon to the secret source to make that happen and why do people come to you um I think what, what is the driving factor yeah I think I'm either saying things that resonate and when I tell my story about you know feeling stuck in my job I think that sometimes you know it's a feeling that a lot of people go yeah yeah I feel stuck I feel like that I'm on a plateau I'm a crossword crossword crossroads there's a lot of metaphors that we use um stuck in the mud um you know I feel like I'm spinning my wheels and going nowhere I'm just kicking the can down the street I'm not acting on anything so we are we, we paint ourselves into a corner quite frequently but it's a safe corner and it's a nice corner and we're paid well and it's a nice job and all our family and friends are saying you're lucky you've got a really nice job and you're well paid but ultimately there's something missing there's something that's not fulfilling what it is you want to fulfill now when I talk about that that's when I tend to get inquiries and actually some of my inquiries I think are born of curiosity purely because I talk about nature so much through my my online um presence on my Instagram and LinkedIn and the like I don't do many sales posts about coaching <laughs> I do a lot about connecting with nature and getting out in nature. And if you look at my Instagram feed, it's all trees and green things and mushrooms and whatever's seasonal. Um, so I think there's a little bit of curiosity as to what on earth is this woman on about? And then, oh, you're a coach. And then some of the other messages I think land. Um, so yeah, I've had an interesting two prong of inquiries really for my work. Um, I also supervise other coaches um, because again, I'm, I think there's a, that thread has a lot of growth in it. So whether it's individuals growing in their careers or growing in their lives, or whether it's coaches that want to grow their practice and deepen their offering for their clients, not just these clients, but their future clients and their future, future clients and so on. Um, there's a real theme of, of growth and nurturing, which again, I think goes straight back to the metaphors of nature. So, yeah. So you nurture yourself and all the others around you. That's perfect. <laughs> that's that's quite what, what nature does. And uh, that's also actually what we shall do <laughs> when we go back to the roots of, of life and uh, thriving life. Yeah, that's wonderful. And um, what, what do you do with people when you, when you go out in nature? Wow. Um, it depends on the client. It, it, it all depends on the client. That Every single one is wholly unique. Um, structurally, though, we, we walk, um, we talk, we listen, we notice. Um, it, there's something about being shoulder to shoulder and not sat face to face in a room. Um, and you're walking together, you're going on the same journey. Um, it's a different cognitive journey for both parties. So obviously the coach, I... Um, listening out and helping and provoking or prompting or asking broadening questions to, to in, a, enable that thinking 
Um, and for the client, it's when we're starting at point A, which is usually something like the car park, um, and then entering into a space, a new space, which as you transition through the space morphs into different things. So you could walk into woodland, which obviously is changeable for every step you take, but then you could emerge into a clearing or there could be some water or a pond, you know, so things shift. It's a very dynamic environment. And, you know, you can do the same walk. I use some of the same routes because they're so familiar to me. I haven't got to worry about navigating because I know, know that the areas like the back of my hand, but, unlike the back of my hand, they change massively through the seasons. So each time you go, you get a different experience. You can't say, well, you know, this will look like this while we're there. I can say the shape of that tree probably won't change, but the colors and the textures and the, the temperature, the wind, the weather is, everything is different day to day to day. Um, so we do work with some of the metaphors that come up. We work with what's emerging with the client and in terms of the topic that they're bringing and the things that they would like to achieve. There's a metaphor I think I borrowed from uh, David Drake, who is one of the kind of proponents of narrative coaching, where he talks about a backpack. And I love the backpack metaphor because we all carry with us stuff that is heavy and uncomfortable um, and niggles at us. Or So we talk about this backpack with all the stuff that we carry around with us all of the time. And some of it's lovely and some of it's treasured and some of it's useful but some of it is spiky and it digs us in the ribs or it sort of uh, weighs us down one side and it makes us uncomfortable and uneven and unbalanced. So to be able to pause and metaphorically take things out of that backpack and look at the things that we treasure and, and say, okay, so we need to wrap them up carefully and pop them in safely. Then we look at the things that are spiky. Are they serving us? Are they helpful? Are they of value? If the answer is yes, well, how do we pack them so that they're less uncomfortable? Um, if the answer is no, well, what can we do with them then? And usually that's the sort of limiting beliefs or the assumptions that we make that we can't do something for some reason or another, which generally aren't wholly true. These assumptions that we can't do something because you know, we've been told you know, maybe as a child that they, we should be seen and not heard. Therefore, how could we possibly speak up in board meetings? And that's surprisingly common where people have these rules that have been embedded. They don't even realize they've been embedded since childhood and they carry them around. They carry these rules and they live by them. Like, well, that's not serving. If that's not serving you, we can metaphorically or physically, you know, visualize balling it up and throwing it to the winds <laughs> and chucking it to a tree. Um, I know I'm, I'm waving my hands around like mad at the moment. I know this is a podcast and no one can see me doing that, but I literally just balled my hands up and thrown something yes, into the Yes, Rachel is moving. It's that embodiment and the, you can't do that indoors. I mean, you can, you can do that indoors and throw your hands around, but you can't stand in the future. You can't walk to another area or spot on the path and visualize that you're standing in your future and look back at where you were on the path and maybe look at what's in between. And so the visualization, that somatic embodiment doesn't come because you don't have the space and you can't use... You can't use pace in a meeting room, but you can use pace of your voice and, and the, the tone, the cadence, but you're not physically moving. So you're not moving and then pausing or speeding up or slowing down because you don't have the room to do that unless you've got an absolutely gigantic space to coach in, like a hall or something, which let's face it, most of us do not own <laughs> massive, massive halls. Um, and then she just gives that. She's, she is a, she's the ultimate meeting room. She's the ultimate um, coaching space provided it's not 
raining sideways because the wind's too strong um, and that it's not too icy or dangerous but we're lucky the UK generally speaking for us the worst that happens is we get a bit wet and cold um, and there are clothing options yes. that will do so yeah, yeah there are always options to cover these yeah. kind of circumstances there's a very well known <laughs> exactly there's a very well known um, saying that and it's, it's there there's no such thing as bad weather just poor clothing choices yes um yeah. or as my, my my lovely lovely nan would say she's no longer with us but she'd say stop mithering and get your big coat <laughs> mithering <laughs> is a sort of and children moan and whinge about yeah. something so yeah. Yeah, every child has a big coat for winter. <laughs> you get one every winter. It's just yes, like, when it's cold, go and put your big coat on and go out and play. You know? It's just like, okay, but it's really cold. Yeah, yeah it's, it's simple adaption. It's really simple. Totally, totally. Yeah. It's good to have good waterproofs and get outside. And yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned some crucial points and, and also kind of some core points. Uh, you mentioned embodiment and we are a body, but we have been trained and, and educated like just to be in our mind and just to be up in the headspace and all that is down there is, is either bad, no, no going place or whatever <laughs> story is, is, is told us. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's the whole body. It's, it's everything. It's, it's all our senses. It's, it's, yeah, it's just being aware of our body. And yeah. as you mentioned, it's when you go outdoors with your clients, it's it's breaking patterns. It's breaking mm. patterns of behavior, of of perception, of 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 to be just essentially patterns how to be. And um, when you said that the you, you use the places, for example, a, a water place or a, a woodland or whatever. It's also about what is actually around me. <laughs> and this also opens up to reflection what is inside of me. So it's this interplay of, of outside and inside. That's also very, very interesting. And you can yeah emphasize that when you when you're outdoors. Yeah, it is. And the same way you know, I, half the time I don't come up with my own metaphors. My clients come up with their own metaphors. Yes, yes. I was walking a little, it was last year, um, in a beautiful National Trust estate uh, by the M4. And it was, it was stunning. We were having a, a walk. I was listening, listening to this chap talking about kind of where he was in his, in his, um, his life, I suppose, his career. Um, but it was it was blended. I, think, I don't call myself a, an executive coach or a life coach because executives will talk about their lives and people come for life coaching will talk about the jobs. So you can't really separate the human into these buckets of executive. Um, but he was talking and he kept looking at this one tree. And I noticed his attention kept going across to this tree. And, and I, I mentioned to him, I said, I notice you keep, you know, looking over there. And I think it was a, a Douglas fir or something. And it was it was quite striking that it was just mostly trunk and right at the top there was a few quite weedy looking sort of mm -hmm. fur fronds sticking out the top sort of um with needles and things on them and it didn't look particularly well this tree it looked like it was mm -hmm. kind of earmarked for it. at some point this will come down because there's not enough foliage at the top there I thought well I won't make any 
judgments on the tree and I'm not going to put any words in here so I said what, what is it that's attracting your attention he said I'm like that tree okay because I'm slightly worried then that it, because of the judgments I'd made in my head silently I said oh, no no it's 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 resilient obviously a lot's happened to that tree over the years and look it's still going it's still reaching up it's still reaching out it's still achieving I thought how wonderful how mm. wonderful seeing that not looking at the negatives the that looks sickly that doesn't look well you're saying that's still alive that's still going that's still strong mm. that's not giving up wow so you know it's nature becoming at that point a co-partner a co-coach if you like because I didn't need to say anything other than to notice where his attention was being drawn um, and it's the same with water. It's the same with, you know, still pools or running water or, um, and there's a lot of t- tools and techniques you can take. There's one, um, I think it's a Japanese principle called Kawa, K-A-W-A, um, where you look at a river and, and you're, it's a bit like the river of life analogies that we see, but you then take a cross section and you, you visualize the river as a, a metaphor of where you are either in business or your career or in your life. Um, so what's the water like? How murky is it? How clear is it? Um, what's in the water? What's floating around that are your resources or, you know, blockers? You know, what's going to stodge up your river? What's going to stop it from flowing? How full is it? You know, is it flowing to the point where you can't see the boulders underneath because everything's flowing really easily? Um, or is it half drained? So therefore you've got a bit of turbulence in the, in the water, the rhythm of the water. How deep? How shallow? You know, where is it? Is it the estuary or is it a you know, a spring, a source. So there's lots of these analogies and everybody pulls something different from it. And I had one that said that they had, um, they felt there was a lot of silt. There was a lot of silt in their river, but it was hiding gold nuggets and they just needed to clear the silt to get to the nuggets. I love that. So using, you know, again, these things come up and it, depending on the topic and the thing that has come that is presented that is emerging, there's just so much option if you're open to stop and look for it and listen for it because most of the time your client's minds because they are you know natural things and it's the limbic system that's absolutely lit up and the alpha waves are flowing and you know scientifically it's really really exciting what's going on in your brain at that point in time i'd love to have a portable mri it'd be amazing um but for them to then see these things and make these connections and as a coach, you're not doing really anything different than you would do indoors, but you've got so much more option. I suppose that's the, that's the challenging part is to, to pick what's most useful potentially, what you believe might be the most useful to your clients, most helpful to your clients. Because there is a danger a little bit that you'll get too excited about, I don't know, squirrels or birds or something and go mm-hmm. on a tangent. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where the discipline comes in, I think, for the coach is to, to really notice where your client's attention is going. Yes, so you just take your client uh, at your hand and you guide you guide him or her, but you just draw your attention towards the the man or the woman, and let 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 your client be open to what is around him or her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, it can take a little bit of convincing. Um, mm. I think it's still a school where this is all seen as a bit woo and a little bit. Um, uh, I don't know whether woo is a word. That <laughs> yeah, woo, 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 yeah, a little bit hippie. Um, yeah. I think less so now. I think if I was talking to you 20 years ago and anyone was listening to this, be a while, this one was a hippie. Um, nowadays, not so much. 
um, I think particularly with COVID actually, funnily enough, one of the positives from COVID is people appreciated their outdoor spaces more. Those that had access to outdoor spaces massively appreciated them more so than they did before, I think. And those that didn't have easy access longed for better outdoor spaces, which has created, I think, more of a movement to socially create that um, level of access people should have. Um, I think as a as a basic human right, having access to some green space is you know, essential for mental health, essential for children's development, essential for health in general, frankly. Um, <clears throat> but it's taken some convincing for some clients, and there are some that still aren't really interested. They, they find the whole um, piece about being outdoors, particularly if the weather isn't absolutely perfect. <laughs> But that's oh, well, the interesting be. part yeah, when, the, when the weather perfect. is not perfect. <laughs> no, but when is life ever absolutely perfect? When is yeah. business ever, when is your climate ever absolutely perfect? When is your environment spot on? Moment by moment, maybe, but not in, so it's a love, again, it's a metaphor for, for life. <laughs> the weather can't be predicted. Um, we can, we try, um, but it can't be controlled. So yeah, there are some that are kind of nervy to do that. And there are others that don't really get it until they've tried it. Mm. So the nice thing is what I try to do is if they are local to me, um, is we go for mm. a half hour stroll, just a really quick stroll somewhere nice. Yeah. Have a, a reasonable chat about what it is that, you know, would like to achieve through coaching and if coaching is even the right thing for them. Um, and to, to experience that, that gentle lead in to nature and coaching with nature. Um, and those that have been for a full-on two-hour walk um, are total converts. Almost straight away. After the first session, they're like, yeah, I only ever want to be coached like this. And you're like, well, weather permitting, <laughs> that's, that's fine. Um, so, and yeah, it's, it, what surprises me, though, is how open people become and how quickly they become super open. Um, two chaps, actually, last year, Two of my first two walks, actually, after I'd started in business, um, within 20 minutes were telling me things that I wasn't expecting to hear, for one. Um, and at the end of the walk, both of them said, I hadn't intended to tell you that. I hadn't intended to talk about that. But when we explored that a little bit more, it's absolutely what needed to come out. It's absolutely what they needed to admit to themselves and open up for themselves. And I think we would have got there eventually in a meeting room but I don't think we would have got there straight away and this was in yeah literally within 20 minutes to half an hour of this walk yes. yeah it that's just, yeah so something <clears throat> op yeah. something opens up uh, pe people feel that there is something they can maybe they can trust or whatever it is I think deep inside of them, they feel this this innate connection with 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 nature. So this inner trust also just grows, and they whoop whoop. <laughs> just yeah, I think you're right. And also, up. yeah, because you're shoulder to shoulder, you're mm. not eyeball to eyeball. It's less um, yes. confrontational, it's, physically less confrontational. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you don't have that feeling that somebody's eyes are boring into your soul. Yeah. <laughs> um, or you, you yet, have to prove something. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, because you're walking and meandering yes. and your thoughts are allowed to flow yeah. because nature is speaking directly to that part of your brain that yeah. allows it to flow. Yeah. Yeah. You let these things out without feeling so judged because you're not being stared at. You're being listened to very carefully, but you're not being eyeballed. So there's definitely something in our psyche that prefers walking in a more companionable way. And sitting in a room which feels a little bit more like, I suppose it might feel even a bit more like therapy, mm. sitting in the coaching room like that, which we know co- coaching is very therapeutic. It's not a therapy, but it can be therapeutic. Um, but yeah, it's, I think there's a very different dynamic when you're not sat face to face. Yeah. And everybody can, can walk its own pace if you allow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you That's, can use the pain you yes. can use they want to be more active like right well try walking a bit faster see what that yeah. does or try slowing yeah. pause stop literally stop and stand yeah. and, and breathe yeah um, and it you know it's another dimension it's another tool it's another thing that you can you can use and as a coach you can mirror that you can go with them and that builds rapport very nicely or you can do that piece where you're disrupting rapport in order to, to to challenge, in order to provoke, in order to help the the client really challenge themselves in the areas that in it's in coaching we do have to get into some spaces that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Helping them sit with that discomfort in a, a healthy and safe environment. It's so much ironic that you're outside and you're so exposed, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel yeah. you feel more exposed, I'm sure, in a in a in an a meeting room in an office with people just outside the door and bustling up and down the corridors. <laughs> I, yeah. I haven't, just... I haven't coached in a space like that for over two years. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to check coach again. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different setting. And as you said, the, the body and the mind are just in a complete different state. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, outdoors is just, it's just all about awareness, awareness of yourself, awareness of what is around you, what is going on inside of you, what is going on around you. And it's just this yeah. in, in it reflection happens. It's just this, this natural process of what is happening and what does that mean for me? It's, it's just natural in a way. And well, this brings me back to your point around, you know, we, we, we're very much in our heads. Yeah. You know, we know full well that our mind is not consigned and, and stuck in our head. You know, our brain is in our head, but that's not the yes. mind. The mind is our whole nervous system, which, which reaches to every single part of our body. Mind is pervasive. You know, yeah, well, this is it. A friend of mine is very, very big on um, talking about the vagus nerves. She's a physio. That's why she talks about the vagus nerve, because quite often it's the one that gets pinched that gives us headaches and things. But that goes all the way to our gut, to all the areas around here, bowels, yes. everything. Um, and there are more electrical signals that come up to our brain from our vagus nerve than go down. Yes. Down is just instructions. It's, it's just your, your automated system saying, breathe, swallow, you know, um, digest, all the stuff that we don't have to think about that just happens not, you know, without us having to put any effort into it. But it, it also gives that feedback back up. So when we get butterflies in our stomach, when we get the jitters, when we get sort of crawly skin or goosebumps or lots of these little indicators that we get at different times that we don't always notice unless we're really, really mindful 100% of the time. We don't, we don't generally notice all of them. Um, <clears throat> that's 
flooding our brain with all this information and being able to slow down and really listen to that stuff you know where is this tension coming from and where does it yes. originate? where in your body is your tension yeah. living right now yeah and and i think being in a natural setting i think it's where the likes of forest bathing shimunyuku um and forest schools with children that what they're doing is such a healthy way to to start off that relationship with nature in some ways almost before coaching I'd, I'd almost say that's a really healthy thing to do before you go and get coached in nature because mm. you'll have had that connection you'll have had mm. that deep experience to go okay this is why this works this is what's happening to me this is where I feel whole and, and okay and this is what refocuses me or recharges me or settles me and that's a great space and a great state to start coaching from yeah. but as coaches we don't often have the luxury of doing 20 minutes to half an hour's you know mindfulness exercises forest bathing before we start a coaching session sometimes we've only got an hour. um yeah. and that's that's a shame really because I, I would really love to start every session with 20 minutes of that before we got into anything else not yeah. always possible so. we'll see what what happens to your offerings <laughs> yeah well you never know you know those that have the time hey we want yes. to do a half day i'm quite happy to go hiking somewhere really yeah. interesting we will yeah. start with at least 20 minutes of nice quiet not so much meditation but just connection sensory connection nature connection yeah. being mindful being calm and then setting off um, this is a great way to start things yeah. otherwise yeah. we're just jumping out right off we go <laughs> yeah. like, please <laughs> yeah i have some goals i want to achieve them <laughs> yeah this is it exactly right what can i do by the end of this session yeah. okay we've got we've got half what, are my, again. What, what are my concrete results I can yeah. Expect. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah i mean isn't that amazing for me it's always like like mind-boggling that we humans uh we 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 have to learn to be natural again i mean isn't that isn't that crazy in, in it kind is, of sense it is. it is do you know what i was I, yeah i was on a call yesterday and somebody i think had said that they blamed the younger generations for how detached we were and how digitally you know obsessed we were and all that kind of stuff and i thought actually i'm not sure we can blame the young generations for that i don't think we can blame the sort of 20 to 30 year olds because They've grown up using the things that the older generations created. <laughs> so they don't know any different. Do you blame them for using this stuff? Because that's become their norm as encouraged by effectively, you know, their parents and their grandparents before. So, you know, every different generation has been evolving and adding. And, and for such a long time, we thought that human evolution, and some still do, I'm thinking of those that are obsessed with going to Mars and all that kind of stuff. Human evolution is all about technology, is all about technological advancement and achievement. And I don't know that it is. I don't know that that's our best evolution because it's making us saggy and flabby and weak and, and not so well in ourselves and not so well certainly in our minds um, and not so healthy and I don't know there's those that will argue with me say I'm the pickle of health and I lead a fortune 500 tech company and fine all right you know this I'm not judging them it's just when we look at the statistics of, of mental health of general health um, across you know most demographics it's not improving And there's so many you know, illnesses and you can argue, yes, that, you know, well, we know about these illnesses because our recording of them is so much better. Our treatment of them is so much better. And that's right. But I don't know that the pinnacle of human evolution is getting to Mars. Um, I certainly don't agree with, you know, spending all that effort on going somewhere, which quite frankly, doesn't look like a very nice place to be. <laughs> um, so <laughs> there's no trees for a start. Um, 
And but when actually you can create this space, you can create this space from zero. I know. But they could be focusing on what's here yeah. and improving what's here and protecting what's here and nurturing, going back to, you know, wanting to nurture the humans that are on this earth, this, this space. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a bit of a soapbox thing for me in that sense. That's my kind of ecological um, head that jumps up and down at that point <laughs> to try and <laughs> try and persuade that you know let's 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 conserve let's protect let's nurture and grow more here um yeah but, we yeah. have everything we need but we always want to have more we want to have we want to have different things and yeah we just it's also this thing we just we, we if we simply would surrender to what it is i mean we would see that there is so much we can we can actually use and 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 and, and nourish ourselves i mean just yeah just take it i mean it's it it's offered to you 24 7 <laughs> this is and it take it, it but at the same time yeah and it's and it's for free so nurture yeah. it that there's more of it in the future that's the trouble we're too good at taking things yeah. Yeah. we are way too good at taking and not putting back yeah and that's just, just that will yeah. be the trick is to is just to take what we need in that way but also keep that cycle going so there's yeah. there's more because if we keep taking we'll end up with nothing and that's yeah like i mean like nature does it's just it's just when we we really deeply observe what is going around us and what is going in going on in nature we just we just understand this concept that there is no waste, that there is no, uh, no, uh, just taking the resources and not giving back anything. It's just, yeah, it's just this cyclical nature that is that is just always yes. going on, and yeah. and nothing demonstrates that. I don't think as yeah. well as now. Actually, autumn's such a great example yes, yes. of you know nature's cycle, and at the yeah. moment, if they're quiet at the minute but behind me yeah. um i'm actually quite surprised my little dog hasn't kicked off because there's squirrels in the garden <laughs> and um, i put some of last year's walnuts out for them because this mm. year's walnuts are still a bit green and they're not so keen on them at the moment um of course they're busy 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 collecting yeah. food to eat how to get fatter for, for the winter but also food to store away mm. but they've got it for the rest of the winter and actually they they always take more than they need and they bury more than they need but for the walnut tree that's a great thing because it means they've not um these young trees if they if they do sprout aren't sprouting directly underneath the mother tree so yes. they have light which obviously mother tree can't give them because yes. her leaves will keep it shady um they're further away they're not competing for resources the squirrels are great at taking a bit more than they need and forgetting where they where they plant or planted or buried <laughs> some of these nuts so I go around in the spring because I can't have 100 walnut trees in my garden and when I've got a load of little walnut saplings about three or four inches yeah. tall knowing that nothing's going to come along and eat them now that they've grown i pull them up and i take them out and i give them away to people if if they want a, a walnut tree for their garden they can have one of my saplings because my very forgetful squirrels <laughs> have planted all over my garden um, yeah. so. but it's you know again it's not wasted and it's it's this this collaborative symbiosis that nature has you know the, the squirrel helps the tree the tree helps the squirrels it's and that's you know one very simplistic don't get me even started on the likes of mycelium and the, the networks, the fungal networks that sit in yeah. the woodland. It's just, you know, everything is so 
reliant on everything else. And I think that's where we've gone wrong as humans is we've kind of taken ourselves out of that equation that we can yes. take and it doesn't matter that, that those things might be helped by us. And there are things that we are doing that are very helpful, but there are things that we were doing, with us, as we know, they're very damaging and are inherently selfish, inherently massively selfish. <laughs> so, you know, we can take those lessons as you know, nature could be our greatest ally in giving us those lessons for, you know, we take what we need. And if we do take too much, what do we do with the surplus? Do we give that back to nature in some way that enables yeah. the cycles to continue in a healthy way? Yeah. yeah, but we are just, yeah, it's, it's just this concept that was like implanted in us, you know, the, 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 the stronger survives, the survival of the fittest, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, you know, all these kind of, yeah, concepts. It's ironic because Darwin never said that. Darwin no, never that, said that. that, that, that the most yeah. flexible, most adaptable. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been misquoted a million times. Yeah, that that's that that's true. That that's what well, that's one side of, of, of his story. Yeah. Um yeah, it's all about cooperation and, and collaboration, as you said. It's just adaptability. Yeah. yeah. Being part of yeah. the not being yeah. set the cycle and just yeah. taking it. It's being yeah. Yeah. an integral part of the world and yeah. we've lost sight of that i think yes yes we we set ourselves at the center and <laughs> and forgot <laughs> for, forgot that there is a whole world around us <laughs> that is just interconnected yeah that's, that's cool. it this is it spending time in nature I, I genuinely think reminds us of that it brings us back to it has the power to make us feel tiny let's face it and that's a good thing it humbles us in some ways um i was talking actually came on the podcast um to a writer oh he's a philosopher actually called martin bunzel and he talks in his book that he got to the top of um one of his walks he got to one of the sort of high peaks if you like one of his walks on the pacific crest trail um and he talked about coming out onto this sort of plateau or the pinnacle of the walk and, and just looking at what was around him and, and welling up, feeling tearful and, and feeling like crying because it was such a, a beautiful moment and such a humbling moment. And he, as a philosopher, and, and we did joke that, you know, it's a kind of fully paid member of the Overthinkers Club. <laughs> you say all of the walking and the, the wanderings that he was doing, all the things he was thinking about during his walks and his book's called Thinking While Walking um, and it, it just it said it, it was the culmination of all of that brought him right the way back round to give him some of the answers he was looking for because you never really find the absolutes in terms of answers I don't think philosophers ever stop thinking about stuff but it got him to a point where he was this is me and this is nature and this is my part in nature this is who I am in nature this is who nature is to me um, and it was quite touching actually when he shared that and actually yeah I've got to say is his book's worth a read on that front it's I've never known anyone to write a whole a whole chapter on litter <laughs> it was <laughs> and the things we go through and we see litter on the ground like well do we pick it up okay we'll pick that bit up then do we have to then pick the next bit we see up and when do we stop when how far do we go with the litter picking <laughs> so do we carry big bags around with us you know so he started with all of that like, that sounds like paranoia you know so suddenly we had this but he's done a whole chapter on it and I never thought I would find it interesting to read somebody's ramblings about his feelings towards litter on a trail and yet it's fascinating because it speaks directly to some of the thoughts that I have when I'm out and I'm sure other people <laughs> they have this um, these these things that we wonder and then he takes it to the nth degree but 
I think it would be, I would love to make every human on this planet at some point climb a hill like that, climb a, a beautiful, beautiful spot and sit and look and just be for a few seconds. Um, I think that would make a massive difference to absolutely everyone. But it's very difficult, obviously, to try and persuade everybody to do that. <laughs> so one by one, I'll get them one by one. <laughs> yes, that's that's uh, that's easier. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just uh, p push, you know, you can just push the, 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 the snowball and it rolls and rolls and rolls and gets bigger, bigger, bigger. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, word of mouth, fantastic. When folk get back and go, wow, I had an amazing time. Yeah, yeah. Why that's... wouldn't you make, you know, encourage that? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So do you, do you have some, some simple tools, techniques for people, how they can more connect with nature and themselves? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think just spending five minutes a day if you've got nothing else if you find yourself in a very urban space or you're very busy we can all find five minutes um, and it doesn't have to be yomping up a hill or sitting on a mountain or going out into the woods um, if you have a wall or a hedge or a spider's web or something in your garden that you can sit and observe and look at breathe deeply for about five minutes and just look at what's going on and if it is a hedge look at the whole hedge and then get a bit closer and get a bit closer and get a bit closer or the grass or a wall look in the nooks and crannies because you'll notice this whole little community of things living in that space and um, you'll hear the birds you'll see things that you know creepy crawlies and a whole little ecosystem in a, in a square foot of hedge basically so that's one thing that you can do to connect with nature every single day and you can make it different each day it could be a wall it could be a crack in the pavement who knows you, you can find anything anywhere watch the clouds um and the other thing I really like, and I, I don't know who to credit for this because I've seen it a million times, lots of people share it, is sort of five, four, three, two, one. And I'm holding my hand up, which doesn't really help again for a podcast. But you, <laughs> you, you, you take some deep breaths, you get yourself very centered. Um, then you notice five things that you can see and you call them out to yourself, five things you can see. Then four things that you can feel. And you don't have to reach out and touch stuff. It could be you know, the air on your skin. It could be your weight in your shoes. If you're sitting, you know, your weight on the seat. It could be your clothes against your skin or your hair on your neck, or you could pick up something and fiddle with it. And then three things that you can hear. So maybe close your eyes because that helps, as we all know, helps us hear better, um, or at least focus on the noises around us. Um, two things that you can smell. Um, and again, that could be something quite simple, that you're wearing, perfume, that kind of thing, coffee that you're drinking, or if you're outside, that's brilliant. Lots of things to smell out there. Um, and then one thing that you can taste, so it could just be because you cleaned your teeth earlier and you're, you're still feeling a bit minty or the last thing that you drank. Um, if you are outside and it's safe to right now, blackberry season, go and grab a blackberry if you can. You know? So if you happen to have a thorn, thorny bush near you, you know, anything like that. So just to connect with your senses, because what that does, A, it calms the, 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 the limbic system, the, the kind of the mind monkeys that can be a little bit upset every now and again when you're feeling stressed. It calms them down. It creates something very easy to do and it gives your brain something to focus on other than all the stuff that you've been churning over for however long you've been churning over it. So it's kind of like, um, you know, when you go to IT, when you, you've got too many tabs open and you, your laptop freezes, um, it's like going to IT and them telling you to turn it off and on again. <laughs> and it's basically that you're not switching your brain off. You're just letting it free will and doing something really simple and creating a conversation between that more ancient, stronger limbic system your emotional centers your sensory centers 
and your prefrontal cortex, which is our overthinking center. It's our thinking center, but I like to call it the overthinking center because that's where that happens. Um, to calm everything down and to get it having a bit more of a conversation, advise you then some sort of slack water, if you like, between the tides. You get that moment of very, very peaceful time. And that's where it pauses is where choices happen. And you can choose, okay, I was going to react like this. Maybe I'll choose to respond like that. And those two things, those reactions and responses are very different. Responses tend to be considered, reactions tend to be knee-jerk. So it buys you that time. And it takes like two minutes, it takes two minutes. So there you go, that's a free one. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's uh, really easy to do. <laughs> it is. I, I, I find it, I, I use it to get back to sleep. My brain's doing, you know, uh, cartwheels at three o'clock in the morning when things are going round and round and round in my head. I use that one to get back to sleep. So, wonderful. Yeah. It doesn't work for everyone, it doesn't work for my husband, but it, it works for me. So. Yeah, there, there are so many tools. I mean, there are so many techniques and ways and methods. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just blows your mind, actually. <laughs> but I think everybody thinks that, you know, in order to connect with nature, you have to go and do something really big. Yeah, big, really big. You know, yeah. going forest bathing or yeah, you know, yeah. meditating on yeah. a stool, citing the yeah. phone book backwards. You don't. It can just be breathing in a garden. Yes. Yeah, there are actually quite simple ways to deeply connect with yourself and nature. Yes, as you mentioned. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing. And uh, where, where can people reach you? How, how can people get okay. in contact with um, you when they like have, to have yeah, a session I, with I am you? On, I am on LinkedIn, um, Rachel Woods, Coach of Nature. Actually, so you'll see my, if you look, look up, there's two Rachel Woodses, we're both coaches. Just to confuse everybody. <laughs> wow. Although I'm the only one with an owl and a tree in my title. <laughs> so if you look us up, I know the owl on the tree. Um, you can find me at www.coachinnature.co.uk. I'm on Instagram at coachinnature and Facebook at coachinnature. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm pretty easy to find. Yeah, on, on different social uh, mediums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm a little, I, I, I use each of them slightly differently, but I'm pretty yeah. consistent who I am across all of them. So, yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, do you have a last word for our listeners? Oh, just get outside. Yeah, maybe take this with you. And I'm going to, you know, if you've listened to it already, but if you're sharing it with somebody else and you've heard this, I think this would be a lovely one to, to listen to while you're on a walk, because then you can think about what nature means to you while you're out walking. Um, and, you know, if it is only putting your head out of a window and breathing the air and watching the birds for a few minutes, that could be enough. That could be all you need. Um, and if you need more, and if you want coaching in nature, obviously, yeah, okay, give me a shout. Um, or, because not everyone can access me. That was the sales pitch. Yes, yeah, so there's the plug. There are a few of us, and it's a growing movement, actually. There's way more coaches doing this now than there was when I which is brilliant. I don't see them as competition. I think this is what we should have. And the more people we can connect to nature, the better. So, yeah, I would say. And any coaches that want to know more about this as well, I am more than happy to have conversations about getting started, taking your clients outside. Yeah, and everybody has his his you know, his or her unique way. So there is actually no competition because <laughs> exactly, it's the same yes. as any other coaching. There's no more competition yes. coaching indoors. It's just it's. I'm loving that the more people we can connect to nature, the more people will appreciate nature, and therefore, as a consequence, maybe more inclined to protect it. Yeah, and that's my goal. That's my goal. So, how many people can we reach that will then be inclined to protect the natural world? And everybody, everybody has has uh, has a benefit from that 
actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, this is this is not a you know not an unselfish thing to do, but at the same point, it's mutually beneficial. That's the point. Yeah. It is mutually beneficial. Yes, it's 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 interesting because it's kind of service to others, but also service to yourself. So you yeah. you also learn from your ex your experiences you have with totally, the, uh, totally. Other people. Yeah. Win win. Yeah. It's win win. Win win. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, thank you very much for this very insightful uh, talk, and you shared really valuable tips and and experiences. That was really wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And uh, to all the listeners out there, may you open yourself up to nature and yourself, and simply go outdoors and experience what is what is there to to experience whatever that is. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week on the Plump Serpent podcast. When you liked this show, you can leave a message on our anchor site, share this podcast or simply tell a friend about it. You might also want to check out my website plumpedserpent.net where I offer you inspirations and possibilities to root deeper in yourself and nature. And I appreciate when you tune in next week for our next episode. May the magic of the plumped serpent be with you. <laughs>